The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Mash Neweis, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's main reading is from an article, a news article, in the Week magazine from November 4, 2022. But before we do that, I'd like to frame it with some excerpts from Seneca and Marcus Aurelius. The Stoics have this technique called the cosmic perspective, where you look at your life or at the events that are happening to you from the perspective of... I guess, so to speak, uh, the perspective of God from the uh, a much, much, much larger, higher vantage point. And uh, usually they apply this to the phenomenon of space, but they also apply it to the phenomenon of time. So uh, I'll read you two examples. One is from Seneca's letter number 99. He says, imagine the vast abyss of time and think of the entire universe. Then compare what we call a human lifetime to that immensity. You will see how tiny a thing it is that we wish for and seek to prolong. Or another example from Marcus Aurelius's book nine, chapter 32. You can get rid of a number, you can get rid of a great number of your annoyances because they lie entirely in your own head. You will clear ample space for yourself by comprehending the scale of the universe in your mind, by observing the infinity of time, and by studying carefully the rapid change of each part of each thing, how short the time is from birth to dissolution, the time before it an abyss, and the time afterwards also endless. Uh, and we do this also in several sources in that we that we regularly encounter. My favorite one being the first four. Well, it's really the entire theme of of Perik Tzadi of uh, chapter ninety of Tehillim of Psalms, uh, where I'll, I'll just read the first four uh, psukim. Uh, a tefillah of Moshe, man of God, my Lord, an abode you have been for us in each generation, which refers to God's eternality. Before mountains were born and the earth and inhabited world were formed, from forever until forever, you are God. You return man to crush dust, and you say, return, sons of man. And here's the, the key pasuk. For a thousand years in your eyes are but a bygone yesterday and a watch in the night. And then he goes on to describe the brief span of man's life. So this cosmic perspective has different effects. And usually, from what I've seen in the Stoic writings, it helps you to put things into perspective in terms of good and bad. But I read this article... And uh, it, I had a different uh, reaction to it, uh, but it also launched me into the cosmic perspective. So this article is entitled, The Biggest Space Explosion Ever Seen. Okay, very short article. So I'll read the entire thing. It says, astronomers have recorded the largest explosion ever detected in the universe, a gamma ray blast so enormous it briefly ionized our atmosphere. Dubbed the boat, or brightest of all time, the eruption released more energy than our sun will in its entire 10 billion year lifespan reports space.com. It is thought to have been caused when a massive supernova collapsed under its own weight, triggering the birth of a new black hole. This process, quote, drives powerful jets of particles traveling near the speed of light, NASA, says NASA. The jets pierce through the star, emitting X-rays and gamma rays as they stream into space, end quote. Named GRB 221009A, the explosion was recently detected by space telescopes, including the Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope and the Neil Gerrels Swift Observatory, when its radiation swept across Earth. Even though the blast occurred some 1.9 billion years ago, 
and the gamma rays traveled 14 billion trillion miles to get here, the energy was still powerful enough to jolt electrons in Earth's upper atmosphere. The resulting ionization briefly disrupted long-range radio communications and temporarily blinded sensors on several satellites. Scientists have seen a few gamma-ray blasts whose energy approached 1 trillion electron volts, TeV. GRB 221009A, though, measured a whopping 18 TeV and was so bright it could be seen from telescopes on Earth. End of article. So I read this and uh, I had a thought. And the thought was, let's say, okay, let's just make up a scenario here. Let's say you're, uh, you're walking along and you walk next to a car and the car suddenly explodes. Okay, so you're going to be shocked. Uh, and I guess if you're close enough, then you'll be killed or wounded. But let, let's say you are, let's say you're far enough to feel the impact of the blast but not to be seriously wounded, okay? But then let's say like it knocks you down and you feel this blast, okay? I think when something sudden and unexpected happens, uh, I think there is this impulse to feel like, like I need to stop it or, or maybe I could have stopped it. There's this, this reaching out of the will to, to, to retroactively try to prevent it from happening, okay? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm capturing this. I don't know if everyone experiences it this way, but like uh, I, I, I assume that we've all had experiences where something bad happens or unexpected, and and your your psyche, your emotions react as though you are kind of internally clamoring to make it not have happened. All right. So I was thinking about that and thinking about Epictetus's formulation of the foundation of stoicism, which we've quoted many times in the podcast from the chapter one, sentence one in the Enchiridion, the handbook. On the one hand, there are things that are in our power, whereas other things are not in our power. In our power are opinion, impulse, desire, aversion, and in a word, whatever is our own doing. Things not in our power include our body, our possessions, our reputations, our status, and in a word, whatever is not our own doing. Now, things that are in our power are by nature free, unhindered, unimpeded, but things not in our power are weak, slavish, hindered, and belong to others. Remember, therefore, that whenever you suppose those things that are by nature slavish to be free, or those things that belong to others to be your own, you will be hindered, miserable, and distressed, and you will find fault with both God and men. If, however, you suppose to be yours only what is yours, and what belongs to another to belong to another, as indeed it does, no one will ever compel you, no one will hinder you, you will find no fault with anyone, nor reproach anyone, nor act against your own will. You will have no enemies and no one will harm you for no harm can touch you. So again, essence of, of stoicism is is differentiating between what is in your control and what's not in your control. And one of the things that definitively is not in your control is the past. You, you cannot control what happens after it happens. You can only control your reaction to it. And I believe we had an episode, which I'll try to find and link in the show notes, on linking this concept to tefillah shav, to the prohibition to pray for something that is already set in the past. That's the Mishnah in Brachos, Perektes Mishnah Gimel, 9.3. Hatsoeg l'shavar harizo tefillah shav. Someone who cries out over the past, this is a tefillah in vain. This is a, a vain prayer. Kesar, for example, Haisa ishto meuberes v'amar yihi ratzon shetelet ishti zachar harizo tefillah shav. If your wife is pregnant and you 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 say, you you daven, you pray, may be God's will that my wife give birth to a male, this is a tefillah in vain because the gender has already been said once she's pregnant. Uh, if you are traveling and you hear an outcry in the city, 
and you say, may it be God's will that, that the cry is not coming from people in my house, harzo tefillah shav. That is a, uh, a tefillah in vain. So, so the, the past is immutable, and you can't do anything about it. And something about this article made me realize that in the, in the example I gave where the car explodes, and you have this feeling of, of, uh, of oh, I, I, I should have done something, or I wish I could have done something, or, or I should be able to have done something. It's no different than the blast that occurred, the, the uh, GRB 221009A, which occurred 1.9 billion years ago. And the blast is only reaching us through the 14 billion trillion miles now. In other words, what these scientists experienced when their, their, uh, their, their instruments were disrupted and when the Earth's uh, atmosphere was affected, it was just a very, very, very delayed blast, which they did not see coming. And, uh, and and it disrupted them. And and if you something about the absurdity of saying, I wish this I, I wish this wouldn't have happened when the thing that happened happened one point nine billion years ago. I don't know. It just highlighted to me like how how ridiculous it is when we react that way to something that's happening in the present. In other words, we feel maybe that's it. We feel that something bad is happening in the present, and we. And our emotions relate to it as though the thing is actually happening right now. Now, it's true that our reactions are happening now and our response to, to, to it is, is, is yet to happen. But the thing happened in the past. And, and whether it happened a second ago or 1.9 billion years ago, the past is equally immutable. And so there's nothing you could do to change it. So I, I don't exactly know how to apply this in practice in terms of when something does happen and you have this impulse of, I feel like I, I should have been able to have not made this happen. But I do feel like this cosmic perspective shift is relevant. And perhaps by thinking about this cosmic perspective in other circumstances, then we'll change the way we react to these things and be able to focus on the present and the future instead of getting caught up in the past. That's my hope, at least. Okay, that is it for today's episode. If you have gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are matchschneeweiss.gmail.com. Oh, you know what? I'm going to interrupt this end thing, the sign-off, to say, you know, one of the things I really don't do enough, I don't know why, maybe I should just write this into the sign-off, is, is talk about my other content uh, on, on the Stoke Jew podcast. Like, I really wonder how many people only know about the Stoke Jew podcast and they don't know about my other, my other content. So let me just say this right now. We have, so the Stoke Jew podcast is the only podcast where I make content that is original, so to speak. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> where I make content as a podcast. But I also have four other podcasts, which are really just my recorded shiurim in podcast form. There's the Mishlei podcast at mishlei.buzzproud.com. The, then Raman Bakius podcast, ramanbakius.buzzproud.com. Machshavalab podcast, machshavalab.buzzproud.com. Tefila podcast, tefila.buzzproud.com. Uh, and all of the links to these are all in the uh, the show notes. And I also have my YouTube channel where I post the videos of all my shirim, youtube.com slash Rabbi And I had 
my blog, kolhasreading.blogspot.com, with over or close to 400 articles. But then I recently launched my Substack, rabbishnewis.substack.com. And as of now, it looks like I will be able to, well, who knows what the future holds, but my plan is to write at least one one page article every Friday, which I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And so if you're interested in receiving those, then sign up to the Rabbish Newis Substack. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I just never talk about it on this podcast for some reason. I got I to gotta fix that. Okay, anyway, uh, even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more total content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you're interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.